Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. This week on the show, we're talking about the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship game. Coach Mike Krzyzewski used his black magic against the referees to lead Duke past the Wisconsin Badgers for the Blue Devils' fifth national title and their first since 2010. Trevor Ingerson joins me on the show to talk tourney. In addition to being a College Hoops fan, Trevor is also a book marketing wizard and an avid record collector. We're talking LPs here. You can listen to Trevor wax poetic about his collection on the Record Nerds podcast, available on iTunes and at recordnerdswithaz.tumblr.com. You can also follow Trevor at T. Ingerson on Twitter. Quick update for listeners of episode 12. That was our first round recap of the NCAA tournament. Alex and I both lost in the pool, uh, as predicted. So wish us better luck next year. Me, specifically. All right, now let's go to the conversation between me and Trevor. Hey, Trevor, thanks for coming on The Big Game. Thanks, Justin. I'm a big fan. Happy to be here. Uh, Happy to have you here. Happy to have you talking about the NCAA title game between Duke and Wisconsin. Uh, You were in our uh, group of friends fantasy pool, uh, and for the first, you know, dozen rounds or so you were really knocking out of the park i think you had like a 99.9 percent uh percentile pick rate or something like that i mean you had it going but but what happened in the end uh in the end i was trying to make uh the kentucky differential go away i think everybody (laughs) has kentucky so i i was going for that unique pick in the event that they would lose and it just I had Arizona going all the way because I figured if they faced Kentucky, they would they would yeah. beat the, they had enough to beat them, and then they would go on to beat Duke. Uh, I did have Duke in my title game though. Well, begrudging, you, begrudging. You, you almost had it, but but the money was not yours this year. No. But <laughs> instead, let's let's get into the game itself. Uh, this was a really fun basketball game this was like one of the most exciting games of the tournament for sure like right up there with all of the early round upsets um we had two number one seeds going at each other um i'm not sure the last time this happened but you know usually there's somebody that sneaks in there that's not a number one seed in the title game so it was it was kind of fun to have uh duke and wisconsin both be ranked in their regions number one and meet in the title game um, and plus you had, you know, the surprise of surprises this season, which was Kentucky not advancing all of the way. Um, so, so you had a really, you had a lot of different narratives coming together in this. Senior Frank Kaminsky, which is the most <laughs> Wisconsin-y of names you could have. Very true, uh, very true. Dominated the top two prospect from Duke, Jalil Okafor. Um, but it was Duke's front court of Tyrus Jones and prototypical smarmy Duke shooter Grayson Allen, um, whose scoring pushed them over the top. <laughs> so, so what did you think of uh, the game? What did you think of Wisconsin making it this far and giving Duke a real run for their money and almost stealing a victory from the overdogs? Yeah, I mean, watching that Wisconsin-Kentucky game was incredible, and I thought once they got past Kentucky, they would really sort of just handle Duke. I think it would, I always I figured it was just going to be a good game, but um, and I think you and I had sort of emailed that like 
I would have not been able to have watched the final game if it was Kentucky Duke, because yeah. um, that's just the worst outcome possible for me. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a like I agree with you. It's a it was a great game. The first half was like one of the most fun halves I've ever seen like in a long time in a in a title game. I like couldn't remember the last time. I think there something were, was that close. I think there were like sixteen or seventeen lead changes throughout the entire yeah. thing, just back and forth and back and forth and tied at halftime. Yeah, it wasn't just like some crazy like high pace game. That's why it was fun to watch. It was like high pace but also like really high level college basketball being played which doesn't always happen yeah they were making so, their shots which was unusual right. for a college basketball game yeah exactly um and yeah it it was more entertaining than i thought it would be just because i i'm not a big wisconsin fan i i'm not a huge bo ryan person but I'm more so a Duke hater, so yeah. I, they definitely, they definitely were. Wisconsin was in my uh, in my heart that game. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of interesting things there. I mean, Wisconsin. This is a team that hasn't been relevant for you know over half a century in terms of basketball, <laughs> um, and you know, and to upset you know a team that like Kentucky that was going to be. Uh, memorably undefeated more so than any undefeated team before and then like they were just they were the story you were really pulling for and i'm i'm a you know i was born in the south but i'm a midwestern kid at heart um so i was definitely pulling for the cheese eaters here uh and 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 you know i'm just gonna say it fuck duke this is yeah this this is the second time uh they've made an appearance on the big game and the first time it was a you know a pretty easy victory over Louisville and they kind of won me over and I was like oh I don't I don't hate Duke this year this team's kind of fun to watch Jalil Okafor is like really fucking good and I hope the Knicks take him with the number one pick but uh, but no fuck Duke I this this game was everything I hate about watching the Duke Blue Devils play basketball. That's uh, so true, especially the as you brought up the prototypical Grayson Allen or whatever his name is, yeah, like smarmy. coming off the bench. Uh, so smarmy, and like the announcers acted like he came out of nowhere. He was an all-American. <laughs> like, shut up! I, uh, like the announcers, just like so pro Duke and like they, the they narrative were, of they Duke. were Duke like, homers for sure. Well, Grant Hill. Grant Hill is like one of the classic Duke players. How does he get to call this game? Yeah. It, uh, I mean, so I think fresh. that was something. I think the commentating was something uh, that just lacked, you know, throughout the tournament. Yeah, I agree. It was really terrible this tournament. And I, like, uh, what a mutual friend of ours, Josh, who's been on on your podcast. Yeah, great, great guest uh, of the show. Yes. Uh, him and I lament the loss of Gus Johnson during March Madness. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he, uh, what a what a voice for basketball that guy has, and just knew how to carry the moment. Yeah, he didn't uh, have a voice for soccer, but he was definitely no, good. he did not. <laughs> he could call a basketball game. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's talk about the big matchup, which is kind of what I thought was uh, the most interesting one going into the game, and it. And it played out that way still, but not quite the way I expected, which was between centers Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin and Duke's Jalil Okafor. Um, you know, I, it seemed like everyone said this, it's going to come down to this matchup. Um, you, you've got one guy, I think, as the all-time leader in blocks for Wisconsin. 
Um, and Okafor is, you know, like I already said, like a top two pick in the NBA draft. Um, and so it was going to be a really good matchup. Uh, Kaminsky is a center that doesn't play in the paint. You know, he's just kind of hangs out by the three-point line and, and shoots when he can or drives when he can. But he's, he's good in the paint, too. Um, but he doesn't really start out there. While Okafor is a guy that's kind of always anchored right there by the hoop and, and can kind of finish a number of ways. Uh, but the big difference was Frank played 40 minutes, and because of foul trouble, Okafor only played 20 minutes. Um, so, so what did you think of these, both of these players in the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I was actually really looking forward to this matchup just because I, I wasn't a fan of Kaminsky last year during the tournament. Um, I thought he just kind of like was a little weak, um, kind of just fell apart when somebody physical came into the game, which is one reason why I was interested to see this matchup because Okafor is a pretty big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you mentioned, like bangs on the block. And Kaminsky just like, man, that guy is such a beast. Like, I don't know where, like, he, Wisconsin might, would have probably lost in the first round if it weren't for him this yeah. tournament, I think. Um, just really impressed. And I think what was interesting that stood out for me in this game, I know the foul trouble came into play. But I think it sort of highlighted the difference between like a four-year college basketball player and a one-and-done type dude. Yeah. Like Okafor, like Kaminsky has all of these bags of tricks he can go to. His like veteran savvy like came into play I think a lot, and like that's I think partly why Okafor got into foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, Wisconsin is a team that is really, you know, everyone's argument for why. college kids should stay in college to play basketball. I mean, they're, they're a team that has uh, an offensive system that, you know, requires players to just have more experience uh, to be in it, to slow the game down, to strangle the other team with their possession, and, and just kind of develop a, a finesse that maybe an 18-year-old um, Kentucky superstar might not have just yet. Um, and then, but on the other hand, they were definitely the underdog throughout this entire game. Like it was always a David Goliath. Can they overcome Duke's speed and size? Um, and ultimately, they couldn't. Right. Yeah, and I, I will say I think one of the things that ultimately was hurtful for Wisconsin was Kaminsky playing so much. Like they couldn't afford to take him out, and he was just gassed at the end. Like. You could just see him, like, struggling to get back up the court. Yeah, and, you know, and he didn't make them pay for having Okafor on the bench. Like, he played better against Okafor, and then when when Duke went small, Wisconsin lost their lead a couple times. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Like, I didn't even notice, notice that in-game, but now that you mention it, that's totally true, which is crazy to think that he only could do that against Okafor when he has, like, such a range of... Shots yeah. they can make. So, in your opinion, I mean, what did you think Wisconsin needed to do differently in the second half to keep the lead, or was there just no way Duke was always going to come out ahead on this one? Have Duke on their jerseys, like <laughs> I, I've like uh, that Shashevsky halftime interview was ridiculous. It was just like, wow, fouls, wow, we're not getting any fouls, well, and like. It was a little one-sided, but it wasn't like Wisconsin was, like, shooting in the double bonus with, like, 10 minutes left in the first half. Like, they Wisconsin wasn't just fouling, and that's because they're a really well-coached team. 
and they knew going in that Duke likes to like get fouls and like likes to flop and I think they were prepared for that and then Shashevsky like complains and like uses his like little magic against the officials and that like just some of the worst refereeing in that first half that I think ultimately I I, I don't want to say gave Duke the game but I think it made any chance Wisconsin had to win very difficult. They had to over, they would have basically had to have played perfect otherwise yeah. to really Well, I looked at the stats after the fact. And you know, not only did Shashevsky, you know, make those comments about the refereeing um, and the foul trouble to to the TV audience through the sideline reporter, but apparently he also reamed out the referees like after the first half, like on the uh, sideline okay. or as they were going to the tunnel. Um, and he he got to them. And then you just started seeing call after call after call in the second half go Duke's way. And then the, the difference, um, I think it was something like Duke went to the line 16 times in the second half and Wisconsin went to the line three times. And it's That's just like crazy. overcompensating to such a ridiculous degree that it really is yeah so good i will say that uh i i think some of that was wisconsin changed the way they were playing like without okafor in the middle i think they were surprisingly doing more outside shooting during the second half i think they kind of like rested on their laurels a little yeah uh, and then pushed the envelope but they were i mean that could be because they weren't getting any calls and they were just trying to stay in the game that way but yeah so i my my question is did it come down to depth like was duke just a superiorly deep team because like you said wisconsin wasn't making their shots um i think they had a seven player rotation the entire game um and then you know one of their one of their main three-point shooters sam decker was uh oh for six from three and so like they were just you know they're kind of drying up or or you know they just kind of couldn't keep that uh, going and, and really, like you said, like Kaminsky should have been in the paint when Okafor was on the bench, getting easy buckets to kind of keep the lead steadily. You know, two to four to five points or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Kaminsky thing itself shows that it probably was depth for Duke, just because Okafor went out and they didn't really miss a beat. Yeah. Um, and Kaminsky had to stay in. Because if they took him out, they I think Duke went on a run in the first half when Kaminsky took a breather, and he I don't think he took went out of the game after that. Um, so it's definitely and like the Sam Decker thing, I totally forgot how he basically just disappeared, and they don't really have any other options on the bench. Meanwhile, Duke has their prototypical Grayson Allen come in and does his little dunk like. He dunks all the time, and they act like it's a big deal that he dunked wide open in the game. Like, it was just like, oh, my God. You guys shut. Like, it was so infuriating when, like, the bench went off when he did that dunk. Yeah, it, it, was, it was tough to watch. I'm, and I, <laughs> I, I try to approach all, most of these games, you know, for the most part, as neutral as possible. But... You know, I've already admitted to pulling for Wisconsin pretty hard, but it, but you know, I think that made, I think that made the game so much more thrilling for me to watch. Like, not really being a, a impartial observer, but just kind of, right. I was into the story and I wanted the underdog to win. 
Um, with that said, you know, we've kind of already touched on it, but the refereeing did not help uh, whatsoever. And, and my big question is, like, not, not only the fouls, not only the, the huge differential in fouls between the two teams, but the fact that uh, they can't even get instant replay right. You know, they, they only have so many ways they're allowed to use it. Um, and they finally get down to the under two minutes so that they can review an out-of-bounds uh, play, and they still get it wrong. So, like, what's, what's the point of instant replay if, if they're just going to fuck it up? And it's... <laughs> who, who did these referees think they were? It's really kind of insane. Actually, it came out today that uh, one of the NCAA officials said that the referees did not see the angle that the TV audience saw at the end where it clearly showed that it had come off of Duke. You can see and, his finger bend when it hits yeah. the ball. And so, like, if what angle are they looking at if they're not seeing the one that, the TV, uh, that people on TV are looking at, which is crazy. The only thing I could, uh, was starting to think why they didn't overturn it was uh, when I was watching the earlier round games, um, they were commenting, the announcers were commenting that officials, referees are told by NCAA officials that if you can't, if it takes long enough, too long to review this play, mm-hmm. there's probably not enough evidence to overturn the call. So I think they were getting to that point, but I just don't understand how they didn't even see the angle that everybody else in America is seeing and that supposedly they're supposed to get these replays from CBS. Yeah, I mean, th- I, I understand that concept. Like, you know, it, if, if it's hard to tell, then it's probably, you know, insufficient evidence. But, you know, you mix that in with a game that has more meeting than any other game this season. Um, and, like, not only that, but the pressure of making the right decision. In a, and I think at that point it was a one-point game or maybe a two-point game. And you have to take your time and you have to look at it and you have to have, you know, all of the evidence. And frankly, it shouldn't be, it should never be the referees on the court making that instant replay decision, I don't think, because they're, they're running up and down the court. You know, they're already like influenced in this game in so many ways. You should have somebody up in the booth looking at it that says, hey, look, I've got 10 TVs up here. I've got, you know, I am of sound mind and eye. <laughs> and you were wrong. The ball should go the other way. Like, it took, me, yeah. it took me 30 seconds to make that decision watching the replays on TV. If they, you know, just gave a ref a uniform and stuck him up in the goddamn booth, like, just let him make that call. That's a very good point, especially somebody away from fucking Krzyzewski's, like, bantering and badgering them the whole time, like yeah, an somebody, independence yeah, party. Exactly. <laughs> like that is is not and like and not to like single out Chashevsky because I'm sure Bo Ryan like does his fair share, uh, like any coach. But like to an impartial like party that has no interaction with either coaches and like doesn't matter. Like he doesn't care what they think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a, well. Like they have that in the NFL. I don't understand why, at least for like the Final Four, they couldn't have something like that. Because yeah. you're right, the magnitude of the game should at least like, like yeah, like I think in baseball in the World Series they bring in extra umpires, don't they? Yeah, like, and and you know in soccer, you know you you've got replays on goals and and you've got referees consulting with you know linesmen to get calls right. Um, or umps, you know, umps in baseball always consult with the other umps to make sure they're getting the right call, um, even though one guy is ostensibly in charge. And, and 
it's just you know it's it's pretty crappy that you know they just they still can't get it right in the most important game of the year very true i mean i will say it's gotta suck to be a referee (laughs) in one of these games like i can't imagine but like it's the shock like the thing i just want is consistency and it just seems to never happen yeah no that's i mean that's that's fair like Yes, I want consistency. Yes, I also don't want Duke to win, but but you're right. Like that let's just <laughs> let's, you know, let's be a little bit even here. Yeah. <laughs> For well, yeah, when it comes to the officials, not when it comes to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, so let's do uh let's step away from this game for a minute and let's do a little fantasy booking. How do you think this game would have turned out if it was Duke versus Kentucky? And I know you you didn't want to see that game. But I actually, I thought, you know, that, that would have been the prime uh, game to watch just because you've got two teams with, you know, the the top five NBA draft picks competing in it and playing in a more maybe up-tempo NBA style of basketball than Wisconsin was. Um, but it would have been really two star-studded, high-caliber teams going at it. Um, and who do you think would have had the advantage in that game? Was Duke always going to win or... Do you think Kentucky would have uh, gone through against that style of play? I mean, you have to go with Kentucky just because of what, like their depth and what they can bring. Um, I, NCAA's wet dream was that game, and I'm sure they were <laughs> just w- hoping to get it. And like, I, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but you, you have to imagine they weren't thrilled about having Wisconsin be like their champion. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with Wisconsin? <laughs> I mean, hey, I like Wisconsin, like Midwest, man. But I, I just, I, I can't think the NCAA was too thrilled about that as uh, an option for them. But I, I it would have been interesting on multiple levels because you would have had just much more narrative. Also, like Duke was the last team to beat an undefeated team in the final four against I'm a UNLV fan grew up in Las Vegas went to UNLV they lost to Duke 34 and 0 in the final four in 91 mm-hmm. some some say that's the best team ever <laughs> Kentucky is the Kentucky is the first team since then to actually go undefeated and then to have Duke face them and coach K face another undefeated team would have been great for narrative for sure yeah uh, but i think ultimately i can't see grayson allen having the same effect on kentucky <laughs> that he had on wisconsin i just can't like yeah. there's a reason he wasn't playing most of the season and i in the acc and like i just can't see him having that same effect and i think that probably would have been the difference like i think they had enough dudes to bang with okafor Definitely. That they could have just been rotating people out, and I think their guard play was probably as good, if not a little better, than Duke. So I, I think it still would have been close. I don't think they would have like run them out of the building, but I think Kentucky probably would have prevailed had they have moved on. Just because they also had that like manifest destiny of like you're here, you're at the final game, you're like uh, whatever they would have been thirty nine and oh maybe mm-hmm. I think yeah. And to to be forty and O and win the national championship, I think they just would have all the momentum would have been on their side. Yeah, I think Duke definitely benefited from their draw in the bracket. You know, not only was Iowa State knocked out in the first round in their own region, but then once they got to the final four, 
they were playing Michigan State, a seven seed, uh, you know, which was arguably, I mean, not the easiest match of the Final Four, but but you know, definitely of a different um, of a different caliber than Wisconsin against Kentucky and on the other side of the bracket. So I think Duke definitely got a, a big benefit from their draw. Um, and I think if they'd played Kentucky on the other side of the bracket in the Final Four, um, I think Coach K probably wouldn't be so happy today with his fifth national title. I think it's a very, very good point that once again, Duke gets a very easy bracket. <laughs> and if they just get past that first round game, which they always have trouble with, yeah, um, they usually have a pretty decent path. But I mean, this this is their fifth, but it's their first in five years, and like their third in like fourteen or something. So still I, I feel pretty, like it's, it's still pretty impressive. It's impressive, but it's not like <laughs> they're as like this. It's not like they're this big dynasty like we consider like the Patriots or somebody that is always like there. Like like Duke lost. Like I I don't think they made it past the Sweet Sixteen in the last couple of years. Like yeah, they lost like, to Mercer last year, I think. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think Wisconsin was in the Final Four last year. They had two Final Fours in a row, which is much more impressive. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, it's just one of those things where you just can't handle all of the, the Duke fans getting <laughs> to, like, bloat for a whole year and then coming into next season and it's just, ugh. Yeah, but, you know, fortunately, there's so much turnover in the NCAA and, you know, just so many players leave to go to the NBA, which, frankly, I think they should. I mean... If you have one great season in college basketball, just fucking cash in and go yeah. get a job yeah. and make millions of dollars because the NCAA is not going to treat you right if you get injured, you know? Um, right. Yeah, you can always put some money aside to go back to school and just pay for your college education if hey, you need to. You know what? College education is not even worth that much anyway. It's not. <laughs> so, so, but anyway, my point was rarely do uh, college teams repeat. I think Duke... Might have been the last team to repeat back in ninety uh, one. No, Florida. Florida was in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, but Duke is also one of the few teams that has repeated. Um, so, so what do you think next season? Where do you see Duke finishing next? Do you see them getting back, or do you see them getting, you know, knocked out early? Um, I, th- I think it depends on who, like you said, who comes back for them. I mean, Okafor is obviously gone. Um, they have a couple other freshmen though, like um, Justice Winslow and um, Tyus, whatever his Tyus name Jones. is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if those guys, if those two come back, I think they look pretty strong. I was looking at some ridiculously early preseason top twenty-five polls for next year, and Duke's at like eleven, I think in yeah. a couple of them or like like so they're barely skirting the top 10 which does, it, it's one of those things too where college about like march madness is so great because like it doesn't really matter how you're playing until march like if, if duke and wisconsin played like they, they duke and wisconsin played earlier in the year at wisconsin and won mm-hmm. um but there's a duke lost at home to miami who didn't even make the tournament yeah. Like, so it's, and I, I follow a couple of Miami grads on Twitter and they were tweeting that like, we won by 16 at Cameron. That's all they just kept retweeting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's so hard to tell. Like, I mean, obviously they'll be in the tournament, but I think it depends on the bracket and the matchups who they line up against. Um, I did see in those polls, 
Kentucky or Wisconsin is in is number twenty five. So it seems like they might take the biggest hit of the two. Yeah. Just because I mean, losing a player like Kaminsky's got to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I I imagine that it's probably going to be a couple of years until he can get a new team together, get back and you know make strides in the tournament. Right. And with, I mean, yeah, with Duke, it depends who comes back and it depends. Like I saw something today that like Kentucky, Calpari expects Kentucky to lose five to seven players. To the <laughs> yeah. Like, but you know what? They're going to, like, they're <laughs> going to get five to seven other great all American yeah. top NBA, you know, top five picks true. next season. So it's what... very true. But like, you know what I mean? Like who knows how good Kentucky is going to be next year. And that might play a role to how well Duke does. And, um, I, I think it's a lot harder now for within this one and done type atmosphere where for schools to repeat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and well, you know, next time when we when we get to this point next year, mark my words, Ohio University Bobcats, they're gonna go, <laughs> they're gonna go all the way, and they're gonna win the national championship. We're not gonna be talking about one and done. We're gonna be talking about the MAC. Well, I, I, if that's the case, I think you need to do a big game podcast every game of the NCAA tournament for them. And just like, <laughs> it'll just be like cuts from you watching the game live screaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's definitely not going to happen. But, but one can dream. <laughs> one can dream. We'll, we'll live with Duke as the title heirs for another 300 days or so, and then we'll start all over again. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully next year I'll do a little bit better in the pool. And actually have a chance of uh, winning back all of the money I've lost on the last five years of, of uh, tournament pools. Well, the key is chalk. You got to go chalk. Everybody doesn't. <laughs> everybody tries to get cute with their picks, and you got to go chalk. That's how I was doing so well. But then I try to get cute, and look, I'm yeah. broke now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the big game. I'll have you back soon. Thanks. Yeah, I had a blast. All right. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Leave a review if you like what you hear, or drop me a line at JethroTarget on Twitter. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game. <laughs>